you have your Bibles, we want to open to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look there this morning. There were three students, and they were talking about the different versions of the Bible and which one they used. And, and one boy said, you know, I like the new revised standard version of the Bible. It's, it's easier to read than some of the older versions. The second student said, well, I like the message. It's, it's easy to read. It's, it's pithy and to the point, and, and I can use it in my daily prayers. And the third student said, well, I like my mother's version the best. She translated the Bible into action, and I use it in my daily life. And you know, I like that. Someone once said, you may be the only Bible somebody else reads. And so having said that, as we continue the series about extending our reach, and how can we reach out to others in our community and in our lives, the only way that you can be the Bible that somebody else reads is when you dig deeper into it. And that takes us to our passage and how Paul put it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He said, I know what it is. Wait, sorry, wrong chapter. Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, the Apostle Paul understands that, that he hasn't attained perfection in his Christian life. He hasn't got all of the answers, but he continues to press forward, to study, to grow in his relationship with Jesus. His goal is always to be more like Christ, and he strived each day to grow closer to that goal. See, last week we were talking about how do we extend our reach to others, and, and we talked about how can we be an encouragement to others, an encourager like Barnabas. But today I want to go back to the spiritual basics of the Christian life. And we extend our reach by beginning with study. We study God's Word. There was one church that always had a time of testimony, and whenever they did this, one man would always participate. And after he testified, he'd always say, Friends, I'm aiming to do better. Well, after about 15 or 20 testimonies, the pastor came up to him and he said, friend, I think it's time you quit aiming and start pulling the trigger. (laughs) You see, when we study God's word, it not only helps us to aim better, it helps us to pull the trigger, so to speak. Because the scriptures were given to us as a guidebook, a guide on how do we live our life and how do we live out a life of faith. And when we take time and when we focus on God's word and we study it, then this word is with us always. Joshua 1.8 said this, Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. See, we have to keep this book with us. We have to study it. We have to meditate on it. We have to obey it. And then when trouble comes in our lives, when temptation comes in our lives, when bad things happen, 
And even when good things happen and when joy comes into our lives, we can rely on God's word that is there to guide us and to help us. There was an episode of Andy Griffith, and, and Andy was trying to teach Opie about the golden rule. And one day Opie comes into the sheriff's office and he asks Andy if he can leave his books there after school. He said he's going to his friend Jerry's house and then he'll be skating back home. Well, Andy asked him, how are you going to skate back home if you don't have any skates? And Opie said, well, I'm going to get them. Jerry and me are trading his roller skates for my licorice seeds. Well, Andy looks at him, and, and Opie explained that he had traded his cat pistol for these licorice seeds, and, and now he's going to trade the licorice seeds for the skates because, well, the seeds are fake, and they didn't grow any licorice sticks. And Andy's concerned. He said, now, Opie, you know we've been talking about the golden rule, and, and you do unto others as you would have them do to you. And he said, Opie, are you following that rule? And he said, well, yeah, Tommy did unto me, and now I'm doing unto Jerry. And Andy says, I, th I think you got that mixed up. And he goes on to explain to him the meaning and the application of it. See, the reason that Andy knew about the golden rule was he studied. Because he spent time in Scripture. And because he was spending time in his daily life reading through God's Word, he's now able to help his children make better decisions. And see, as we take time each day and we study and we meditate on God's word, we, we find words of comfort and of strength and of praise. And they just bubble up into our memories and they help us put what we believe into daily action to extend our reach. The second way we dig deeper is through prayer. There was a, a family circus comic, and little Billy was praying, and he said, Lord, make me good. And if you don't get through to me on the first time, just keep trying till I answer. And you know, I think that should be our prayer. Right? Lord, help me. Lord, guide me. Lord, make me better. And, and if I don't get through on the first time, just, just keep trying until I do. See, Jesus prayed for us. And he showed us that prayer is an important part of our walk with Christ. Because through prayer, we are actually brought to the throne of God. One of my favorite verses is also one of the shortest verses in Scripture, and it's 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says, pray continually. Another version says, pray without ceasing. Pray continually. I mean, prayer should be so much a part of our lives that we're doing it continually, always, throughout the day, every day, having this conversation with our Heavenly Father as often as we can. There's a Canadian named Ashley Brilliant, and he draws these cartoons. And one of them, they had these two people, and they were walking with walking sticks in hand, and they were climbing a mountain in the deep snow. And the caption said this, keep climbing upwards. You may never reach the top, but it's definitely in that direction. See, that's what prayer does for our lives. Prayer helps keep us aimed to the top, aimed towards moving our lives towards God and all that we do. And so we pray. And then we worship. 
having this time of weekly worship where we gather together here corporately, and even having times of, of daily worship where we spend time worshiping God is very important to our spiritual lives. So important that, that I believe when we miss it, other people can tell. There was a little boy, four-year-old Andrew, and he made a simple mistake. He spilled a glass of milk at home. But his mom's response was to go into a screaming tirade. And this little psychologist made a very astute observation. He said, Mommy, you forgot to ask Jesus to help you be nice today, didn't you? <laughs> See, I'm not telling you that worship is important because I'm the pastor. And the preacher tells you, you need to be here, and this is him. No, I'm telling you it's important because, because it's important. Sunday worship is something that each and every one of us need on a weekly basis. It gives us time where we can sit in God's presence amongst other believers in Christ, other brothers and sisters in Christ, and be reminded of how much God loves us. It's a great time also of, of allowing us to tell God how much we love him, how thankful we are of all that he has done for us through his son Jesus, about the difference that, that he makes in our lives, and we just want to worship him and praise him because of it. Worship actually feeds our spirit. It nurtures us. Psalms 86 verse 9 says, All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. That's what we have to do. We have to come before the Lord and worship and bring glory to his name. Because he is God. You know, on those rare occasions that, that I miss worship, I, I, I know it. I feel it. I feel less. I feel like I'm less able to cope with, with life and the frustrations that come. Worship is, is important. It's, it's not only for God's benefit. I believe it's also that God offers worship for our benefit. And besides, for some people, it may be the only nap they get this week. <laughs> but we worship. And then we serve. A great way to help us dig deeper is to respond to God through serving. Serving God and serving others. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I mean, think about this. I know I've said this before, but each and every one of us sitting in here in this room have been given these gifts by God, these talents, these abilities, and they're different. And the reason we've been given them is so that we can serve, both serve God and his church and serve others with them. And you have gifts that I don't. You're able to do things I could never do. I'm able to do things you can't do. It's the way God has blessed us. And so we need to find these gifts that God has given us and, and, and find ways to use them to serve others. There was a, a woman who went to a church out in Texas, and she asked the pastor if she could be a part of the Bible study he was doing. And he said, of course. And she joined the Bible study, and through that, she actually gave her life to Christ. 
Well, curious, the preacher sat down with her and asked her what prompted her to come in the Bible study in the first place. And she said, well, about a year ago, my three-year-old son was in a car accident and was critically injured. It was touch and go. And during that time, my next-door neighbor, she said, was a member of this church, and she was very helpful to our family. She took care of my other son. She cooked dinner for our family. She did the shopping and cleaned the house and did the laundry and, and did everything without a complaint or ever asking for anything. She said she knew her neighbor had something that she didn't have. And I knew she was a member of your church, Pastor, but that's all I knew. The neighbor was always friendly. She always invited me to come with her to church, but, but prior to the accident, I really had nothing to do with her. And it was because her mom told her that people in that church were always judgmental and rude and obnoxious. But she said, you know, my neighbor has been nothing like what I was taught. She was the opposite. She said, while my son was in the hospital, my neighbor encouraged us to read the Bible. And, and I began to read it and soon discovered my neighbor did have something that I didn't have. It was a caring Savior named Jesus. See, how can we help and serve others? Because serving others when they're in need without expecting anything in return makes a dynamic impact in the lives of people. And really, it's just a part of who we're supposed to be as we serve and follow Jesus. We're called to respond through service. Another great way to dig deeper is to fellowship with other believers. Being with other Christians actually helps us and strengthens us and reminds us what we're doing and why we're here. It kind of works as this anti-corrosive, if you will. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. See, the people of Jesus' day, they understood what he was talking about. In that part of the world, the salt was collected from around the Dead Sea. And the salt crystals were often mixed or, or contaminated with other minerals and other impurities. And since the actual salt is more soluble than other impurities, rain would wash out the salt. And then unsalty salt is worthless. If somebody gave it to you, you'd likely just throw it out on the ground and it would be trampled by men. You know, it's interesting. I found out the Greek word for, for unsalty salt, it's the same root word that we get for moron. <laughs> Christians, they get contaminated by the worldly attitudes and yet still try to witness can sometimes look like morons. Christians who, who live lives like the world and the people in it and then try to tell others about their Savior that offers hope and life sometimes look like fools. And so it's important and why it matters where we go and where we spend our time and the sites we visit on the internet and the books and the magazines we read and the TV shows we watch. And See, how do we enhance the flavor of our lives if we're being contaminated. See, when we gather together, when we fellowship with one another, we actually 
help each other. We encourage each other. We help hold one another accountable so that we're ready to go back into the world. We're ready to be salt. I mean, fellowship in the way that the book of Acts describes it means we live and we act in a certain way towards another. But it also means that we don't live and we don't act in certain ways towards one another. Really, the best way to explain it is to look at some of the more than 50 different one another passages in the New Testament. Here's a few. John 13 says, love one another. Hebrews 3 says, encourage one another. Romans 3 says, be devoted to one another. Romans 14, build up one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, be kind to one another. Romans 12 says, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another. Galatians 5, serve one another. 1 Corinthians 12, have concern for one another. James 5, confess your sins to one another. Ephesians 4, forgive one another. James 5, pray for one another. Romans 14, don't judge one another. And James 4, don't slander one another. You see, fellowship is, is so important. It's much more than just let's get together and let's have a potluck meal and let's play some games. It's, fellowship is, is about a way of life, a way that we treat one another. And when we fellowship with one another in, in the way that God intended, we become more like Christ. The final step to digging deeper is to tell others, to fulfill the Great Commission. Because really, if you see our our study and our prayer and our worship and our service and our fellowship, all that gets our hearts and our minds ready for the opportunity to go and to tell others. Study, prayer, worship, they just help us get ready to live our life as Christians in a non-Christian world. Imagine with me this moment. We're sitting at a good old-fashioned backyard barbecue. There's steaks on the grill. There's ribs and, and brisket in the slow cooker. Baked potatoes and corn on the cob. You've been sitting there in the backyard, and you've been smelling this for hours and hours, and your stomach is growling. And finally, the host comes out, and she sets these platters of food before you food with steaks and ribs, and you begin to grab meat and potatoes and corn, and, and, and someone hollers, hey, please pass the salt. And you look around, and you realize there's no salt on the table. In fact, the host gets up and says, well, actually, this is a salt-free meal. In fact, I didn't even salt the meat or the potatoes or the corn or anything before I cooked them. Some of you, I imagine, might have gotten up and said, well, thanks, but no thanks, and left. Because we understand that salt, it helps enhance the flavor of the food. It brings me why you all got pretzels this morning. I'm hoping a simple bag of salty pretzels will help you remember what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. And now you can open them and eat them now if you'd like, but... You might want to save them for later. Because as several of you told me, the salt is going to make you thirsty. 
That's one thing that salt does, right? It makes you thirsty. See, you and I, we are called to live these spiritual basics in the life so that we make other people thirsty. And then we're called to show them the living water. We're not called to force them to drink. We're just called to offer them the living water. Jesus. We're called to dig deeper so that we can show others the way more effectively. As we close this morning, my question is, do you need to dig deeper in your relationship with Christ? Or maybe this morning you, you, you need to begin that relationship with Christ and, and, and surrender to him. And maybe you need Jesus, the only thing that really satisfies. If that's your desire, I invite you to come.